Hello, and welcome to Four Advisors, a podcast for and about financial advisors. I'm your host, Dave Polis, and today we've got a very special guest, Jenny Hudgens at Strategic Implementer, based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Jenny and I are going to be discussing something that every business faces, but few advisory firms adopt. I'm talking about strategic planning. Jenny started out in the financial services industry in 1992 as a vice president of the investment banking group of J.C. Bradford & Company. In 2000, she accepted a position with a fee-only financial advisor, his only employee at the time, as the jack-of-all-trades. From a small advisory with less than $7 million, they built the firm to over $115 million in AUM. Jenny was responsible for managing all aspects of the firm, leading team strategy sessions and implementing the initiatives that drove the firm's growth. In 2006, she founded the Strategic Implementer to share her skills with other advisors who are ready to take their business to the next level. A speaker and author, Jenny has written the journal Financial Planning, Investment News, and Bob Vares' Inside Information. Jenny has a BS in Business Administration from the University of Louisville. Jenny, thanks so much for joining us today. We're happy to have you. Good to be here. You've got an amazing background and one that gives you some insight into a variety of different business types and sizes. What made you decide to focus on strategic planning as a, as a business aspect to take advantage of your uh, expertise that you learned throughout your history? Yeah, so thanks for asking. So I realized um, when I was the COO at Guardian Wealth, there was never a shortage of ideas. That was never the issue. The struggle was an implementation and execution. We put together these great strategic plans, and then they would sit on our shelves collecting dust. So I came to understand that this is where advisors, really all business owners struggle, how to stay accountable, how to break things down to manageable pieces, how to execute, and how to implement. Uh, to me, that sounds like a very familiar song. Um, compared to other businesses, though, based on your experience, how important is having a uh, formal strategic plan for a successful advisory firm? Usually they're smaller and, and may not be up to this. Have you found that to be true? I have not. And we work with firms of all different sizes. And I think that it's important for every business and financial advisory firms are certainly not exempt. So in his book, uh, which I'm sure you're familiar with, The E-Myth Revisited, Michael Gerber talks about technicians who have an entrepreneurial seizure and open up their own business, which is basically what most financial advisors have done. And I myself did that. So however, what many fail to understand is that being a financial advisor and running a financial advisory practice are two separate jobs and two separate skill sets. I found that to be true as well. There are starters and there are doers, and the two often don't meet, um, which leads to a natural evolution. And, and most advisory firms face any number of challenges as they go forward. What are the three biggest challenges advisory firms that you found face, and how does a, a strategic plan solve them? Well, it's it's all about implementation, and it's about implementing the implementing the right initiatives, and then being accountable to that plan. So, again, you sit down, you write this beautiful strategic plan, and then nobody really understands how to do the implementation on top of the all of the other things that you have to do day to day to keep your clients happy. You have to work both in the business and on the business at the same time, and I think the key phrase there is accountability. That's absolutely right. That, that little file on the shelf gathering dust doesn't do anybody any good if you don't revisit it and gauge yourself and your progress against what you set out as a goal. So I think that's key to, to, to understanding. Have advisory firms in general matured maybe in the last five or 10 years in terms of their business acumen and in adopting the need for a strategic plan? I noticed you have a very full roster of clients and in fact a waiting list, if I remember. 
Uh, is interest picking up in, in strategic planning for advisory firms? Well, I think interest has always been high for advisors who understand our value proposition and understand the need to have a plan. Um, it's interesting to me that advisors understand the vital need of their clients to do planning, but they don't see the need in their own firms. They don't necessarily put the two and two together. Um, and generally, their firm is their biggest asset. As you know, most small business owners have the majority of their wealth tied up in their firm. So even firms who do strategic planning should use an outside party because getting staff to speak honestly with you about the challenges and the firm weaknesses is very difficult because you're the one signing their paycheck. So in a lot of cases, you're just not getting good information. Yeah, getting good feedback to leadership is critical to all of this accountability because if you're not getting a good baseline of information to start with, you can't plan to fix all the problems because you don't know what they are. That's exactly right. And advisors have this problem in spades. Not only are people beholden to their paychecks, but you're right, they're they're busy working in the business as well as on the business. They've got to please clients too. And that makes CEOs sort of more in the pleaser category than most. What's what's the biggest challenge you face in working with advisors? What's what's the thing that that you have to work on the most when you're working with advisors? So there's pretty much one consistent theme that we see all the time, and that's getting them to understand the importance of having all A players on their team. And especially when you've got firms that are smaller, when you are in a you know five to 10 to even 15 person firm, just having one or two players that aren't A players or aren't on the right seats in the bus is going to be very noticeable. It's going to cause problems in your firms. And then you have to want to compensate them properly. Um, it's a very tight job market right now. You know, you've got unemployment in some markets as low as 1%. And so if you're out there and you're looking for the right people right now, you need to understand that you're going to have to compensate these people at a level that's going to make them want to move and come work for you. And no matter how many great systems you have or what technology you have, you will never get where you want to be without those A players. Or you might get there, but it's going to be excruciatingly painful, a lot more painful than it needs to be. And having those A players can include some great outsourcers as well. It doesn't have to necessarily be people that are in your office. So it's not only having a good destination plan, but it's having the right people in the right seats and the right bus. We've looked at a lot of advisory firms over the years, and not only in terms of acquisition, but just by comparative nature and, and seeing how other people do things, trying to develop best practices. Are advisory firms all that different from each other strategically? I mean, isn't the goal of all of them just to grow large enough to throw off adequate revenue for the owner? And then, uh, at least for solos and small ensembles, it, doesn't it make it challenging to find an individual specific solution for you for each one? Well, you know, we do see a lot of different goals. I mean, some advisors want to grow, others want a quality of life. And so they just want to get to a certain sort of, like you said, revenue level that compensates them well, compensates the staff well. You know, we see advisors who want to have staff, other advisors who don't ever want to manage staff, people, advisors who could be bringing a child and a successor. We do see a lot of different challenge. Uh, challenges. And because the goals are so different, uh, it is crucial for us to find out what the owner or owners really want from the firm um, so that we can design a plan for them to get where they want to go. And that's one of the reasons I intend to keep my firm small. I do a very deep dive with our clients and I can't do that with a hundred clients and I don't want to do that. with. So that's not my business model. So again, we want to stay small so that we can really be that adjunct employee for those advisors. So the goal has to be consistent with the model and that you have to have something set out as an end game before you start so that you know, A, whether you're making progress or B, whether you're achieving what you're supposed to be achieving. And sometimes that means less and sometimes it means more. 
Yeah, excuse me. It's exactly what financial advisors do for their clients. And it's just so interesting to me, again, how they don't make this connection, that they are telling their clients that you have to have a plan so that you know where you want to go and how you're going to get there, but they don't make that connection for their business. And so that's where we try to help them make that connection. Goes to the old adage, the cobbler's kids never have new shoes. You got it. <laughs> okay. We've, the, CPA, uh, the CPA never has tax returns. No, they're always late and they need an extension. You got it. We're coming up on a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to our guest about pivoting and about retention rates and about DIYers and a whole bunch of other things. We'll be right back. Are you an RIA or financial advisor looking to grow and scale your practice but feel like you could use some help? Feel like there are lots of growth options out there but don't have time to research them and don't want to make an expensive mistake? Want to spend more time helping clients instead of time-consuming investment research, compliance checks, or transactional work? If you answered yes to any of these, Pinnacle Advisor Solutions has the answers you need. With a range of outsourced options and top-rated professional investment management and financial planning support, Pinnacle has a solution that fits your needs, budget, and circumstances to help you scale up, grow your practice, or put a succession plan in place. For more information or to set up an appointment, call 201-919-4838. And we're back and we're talking to Ginny Hudgens at the Strategic Implementer about strategic planning for advisory firms. Ginny, you've got a lot of experience doing this. Have you noticed trends or shifts in strategic planning process or in the solutions you're providing for firms seeking a plan over the last 10 years? Have things changed a lot or are you still using the same basic building blocks? I mean, they haven't changed dramatically. We have seen a change in trends and we've added, obviously, things for advisors to help make the process easier for them as we've gone along. Obviously, we are constantly learning from our clients, which is great. But, you know, for instance, we now offer a much higher level of accountability and more help in prioritization because advisors have access to more and more information and ideas, which often serves to just raise the confusion level, um, you know, quite often leading to sort of analysis paralysis. So we have our clients use something called a big idea file. Uh, where we have them store all of their great ideas and then we visit this folder when there is capacity. And that's what's important, when there is capacity to take on another project. And we pull something down off the shelf for them to implement. So we use an online program called Teamwork, which is a project management teamwork. So you're never losing those big ideas because as an entrepreneur, I know how frightening it is, the possibility of losing those ideas. But again, if everything is important, then nothing is important. So it's all about prioritization and pulling things down off the shelf when there's capacity. We have certainly seen lack of priorities cause obstacles to growth. What, uh, what is the biggest challenge you see in terms of what's keeping firms back? What's holding them back? So again, it comes back to staff, the wrong staff, the lack of staff. I mean, these are both the two big issues, which make it just so impossible, or if not impossible, extremely uh, painful to get where you want to go. And if there's staffing issues, um, you know, they're, they're, we gonna, we're going to address these before we move on to anything else. Because frankly, putting a strategic plan in place and trying to implement it with the wrong staff it's just like pushing a rope uphill and it's painful for you. It's painful for us. So generally when we come into a firm, uh, well, in all cases, we're going to assess all the staff. We use something called a caliper assessment, which we really like. It shows us people's strengths and not so strengths. And we're just going to determine, do we have the right people on the bus? And if so, do we have them in the right seats? 
if there is an employee that's causing problems, we're going to generally advise that that advisor let that employee go. You know, you can do a nice severance package, but do it now while the market is still good, uh, while unemployment is still low, and then just go out and find that new, new A player. So you talked about uh, a caliper test and, and some other things that you use. Have you at your firm created any proprietary models or exercises specifically for advisory firms to use? What makes uh, them different from the more traditional business planning solutions? Sorry. Yes, we have. So we've created some workbooks and exercises, um, if you will, to help our clients. Our process starts with a discovery questionnaire, which forces the advisor to think about, among other things, their firm from a 30,000-foot view. And why are they doing all of this to begin with, right? What is the motivation? So I know exactly I can tell you why I started this business and why I built it the way I built it. Um, so what does the brass ring look like for them? But again, what's important here is, although we do have workbooks and we do have things that we use, we don't just say to the advisor, okay, go do this and call us in 10 weeks, you know, call us in two weeks. This is a process that we're going to go through with the advisor um, and, and, you know, go through it and help them understand, okay, why are we asking this question? What are we looking for here? So yeah, absolutely. We've learned again, as we've gone through and, and refined our process, um, but it's still a very hands-on process. And really, a lot of it has to do with going back to that goal setting. Simon Sinek, discover your why. I mean, you got to figure out what it is you, you set out to do and then make sure that you have the tools in place to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Your clients have a very long engagement period. You mentioned you were very hands-on. Uh, some of those clients sign up for longer than, than their advisor clients do. Uh, after the initial plan is written, when you finally get through all the exercises and have done what you need to do, how do clients take advantage of your expertise going forward? Yeah, we've been really lucky. Um, I guess some of it is luck. Some of it is, you know, we vet our clients the same way they vet us. And if we don't think it's a good fit, we certainly have other people, you know, that we vetted that might be able to help them better than we can. But we have clients who've been with us. Um, I think our longest client has been with us maybe eight years. And what we have found is that advisors really like all entrepreneurs. So they operate for the most part in a vacuum. They don't know what their peers are doing. They don't know what's working and what's not working. So they like having us around for ongoing challenges and to understand what is working within the industry. My advisor community is great about sharing information, and we have something new to share with our advisors, I would say at least once a month, if not often. So we just, we love that. We can set up calls between our advisors. Um, they, they, are, they don't seem to be very protective about information. They, they just really want to help each other. So we really love the community of advisors that we work with and, and how we've set it up. That's, that's a terrific concept. We've noticed that a lot of advisory firms don't have an advisory board or, or a board of directors working with them so that they can bounce ideas off of and test things against. Um, you're using an advisory firm of advisory firms. <laughs> Sounds like an ideal solution to that because they're really not necessarily competitive and they're all in the same boat, realistically. I think that would be tremendously helpful. Yeah. And, the, and in most cases, they're not competitive. I mean, if they're right next to each other in a market, but we're also very careful about not taking advisors that are within a 10 or 20 mile radius of each other. And so while we do have several advisors on the East Coast, you know, they're spread up and down the East Coast and there were some in Central, you know, and in Florida. So yeah, if you've got an advisor in California, an advisor in New York, I guarantee you my advisor in California does not want any clients in New York and vice versa. And so they're very happy to share ideas with each other. Very, very cool concept. Have you actually seen, uh, advisors are well known for sort of changing their mind and, and there's lots of rumbling in the industries about, uh, especially in the media, about different 
uh, fee models, different fee structures, different rules that apply to different groups and niches and that sort of thing. Have you ever helped an advisory firm pivot in another direction, either changing their fee model or creating a niche out of a different type of service offering? How did that work out? Yeah, we've done it several times. And so we we have a, a client who had stagnated growth. It was a nice firm, but there was just no growth. Um, and through our strategic planning process, we really helped the firm figure out how to leverage the current advisors properly and begin the process of identifying niches. And so the strategic plan helps us identify, you know, this, this SWAT, basically the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats facing the firms and the industry and help the advisors understand where they have gaps. And we have another firm also that was doing tax returns. And so basically from January to April every year, the advisor was spending, you know, 80 hours in the office and it was affecting his health. It was affecting his home life. So we helped him um, sell those tax returns, but stay, you know, keep the quarterback relationship. We have another advisor who was doing the same thing. And instead of selling the tax returns, he's going to set up a, a tax company. So, yeah, it's it again, it's is where it's so important to find out why this advisor is doing this and what's important to them. And it might not necessarily always be business goals. Sometimes it's personal goals, spending more time at home, spending more time with kids. So, again, it all goes back to that goal identification. These really are kind of free form and freely built organizations. They really are very flexible, as you point out. Um, go back one second to the uh, the first firm you mentioned, where you said they have multiple advisors and you set about uh, building niches. Now, was that a niche different for each advisor or was there one niche that all of them pulled together and drove the firm in a direction? How did that work? So, yeah, it was three advisors and it was three different niches. And I I, I am a big proponent of niches and I try to get all of my advisors to niche. I, the shotgun marketing is just, as everybody knows, is just completely ineffective. Um, and so, but it was three different niches. Um, each of them, I, I want them to be passionate about their niche, right? So, I want them to get up every morning and want to tell the story of the niche. So we work very hard with that advisor to determine what is going to get them excited. What niche are they going to want to read about? What niche are they going to want to learn about? Um, and so, yeah, it turned out to be three different niches. Uh, you know, there was a female advisor who's gone off on the, on the, on the niche working with women and she's done a tremendous job. And then one of them is doing ESG portfolios. And one of them is a, an expert in um, compensation for C-suite executives. So it's worked out really well. It's refined their marketing. It's refined their website. It just makes it much easier for people to know who they work with. I agree. The more you know the audience, the better you can serve them and the more likely you are to enjoy serving them when you find them. Um, to me, that makes perfect sense. But it does seem to take a while for people to have the light bulb come on on that idea. And it's difficult to to shift your thinking if, if you don't have help from somebody like you. Well, I think it scares business owners, excuse me, it scares business owners to think about, it's interesting, it scares them to think about going away from that shotgun approach. For some reason, they feel like if they're not marketing to everybody, they're going to miss something. And it's it's that concept of that, you know, again, that mindset, that shifting, that paradigm shift where you say, yeah, the better I know these people, the more likely they're going to come to me because I'm going to be an expert in that field. We agree. We've had several guests on here just in the last few few weeks, uh, and they've all had some sort of a special uh, specialty niche. And one of the things that runs as a common theme is that they know their audience really, really well. And what I like to say is it gives them the courage to say no, because they don't have to be every Tom, Dick, and Harry. They have to be just Tom all the time. Yeah, I have, I have a good friend who says, you know, don't try to be everything to everybody. You're not chocolate. 
And I just love that saying because, you know, it's the truth. You're not chocolate. You can't be everything to everybody. So figure out who you work with best, who you're passionate about working with, and just keep drilling down. And and then people will come to you. All this is is tremendous advice. And, and if I were an advisor, I'd be beating a path to your door at this point. Um, can all advisory firms benefit from having a strategic plan, no matter how big or small they are, or how well they're doing? You know, I can't think of one that couldn't. I mean, even solo entrepreneurs, even solo firms should be sitting down and thinking about, you know, what is this, what does the next year look for like for me? If you don't want to plan out, and I'm not a big advocate of 10 years, you know, my mom has a saying, life's what happens when you're making other plans, right? And I think 10 years is just too far out. But what do I want to accomplish in the next year? What are my priorities? What's important for me to get done in the next year? And so I just can't fathom a firm that would not benefit from this type of work. I, I can't either. Let's let's track through where we are in the timeline here. I'm an advisor. I've realized there are some issues with my firm. I've decided that I really can't do this on my own anymore. I know that I have to find some sort of a specialty in order to make sure that I have a direction and a goal, and I need to get some help. What questions should I be asking to find a consultant like you that can help my firm? Well, I mean, you can certainly do this yourself. It's not magic. Um, but I will say you will be more successful and you will have a greater level, greater level of accountability with an outside party. And think about it this way, right? We all, we, when we go to the gym, we're more successful if we have a trainer because that person is keeping us accountable. Think about, you know, the Weight Watchers, right? You go to the meetings, you're more accountable. It, it, there's that level of accountability that just pushes all of us as human beings. Um, you know, if it doesn't get measured, it doesn't get done. And it, it's just generally the way we are as human beings. And additionally, your employees are going to be more truthful and more forthcoming with someone who doesn't sign their paychecks, right? So many times, and again, many times the owner is part of the problem. I would say 90% of the time, the owner is part of the problem. So having an outside party to address this is really key. That objectivity and that perspective really puts the icing on the cake on one of these things, doesn't it? Absolutely. As, as a consultant, I've gone in to, to various firms and, and talked with them, and the needs assessment process is so different when the owner's done it himself versus when somebody comes from the outside and does it. The guy with the briefcase gets a lot more information. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting how that works, isn't it? And then you come back to the owners and you say, you, you tell them something you found, and they go, huh, I, I never even saw that. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what you'll uncover just by asking the simplest question that you think should be easy to answer, and yet you get this diatribe back of things that you never would have expected from the surface. Yeah, and traditionally, they're just not asking the right questions. They're not looking for the right things. And so when you do have somebody who has that outside objectivity and is asking the right questions, has seen things in other firms, I mean, that's key too, is having that experience of seeing things in other firms. Yeah, you just get a lot more information, better information. And also, we've got best practices to fall back on. From the outside, we've talked to 50 firms. This guy's talked to one. So by seeing how other people do it, we can bring something to the table pretty readily. Right, right. Um, we've gotten some tremendous insights from you today, and, and I want to make sure that our folks at least carry one thing with them for every episode here. If you had to leave our audience with just one helpful nugget of wisdom regarding strategic planning, what would it be? 
Well, sure. So it's October, uh, almost November, which is hard to believe. And so it's really time to start planning for 2020. And if you haven't started that planning, you're almost behind the eight ball. So if you don't have a strategic plan, what is it going to take for you to get to that next level? Ask yourself, am I happy where I am now? If the answer is yes, then you still need a plan to maintain where you are. If you're not happy, you have three choices. You can change it, you can end it, or you can live with it. What you choose to do now is going to have a huge impact on where you are a year from now. So are you ready to do it? If you're ready to do it, if you're ready to make some changes, then let's do it. If you're not, if, you're, if you want to live with it, that's entirely up to you. But again, now's the time to be thinking about 2020. So do now, think before you do, and do something. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Sounds like just don't advice. do nothing. Yeah, just don't do nothing. That's exactly right. I love it. Yeah, that's sort of the definition of insanity, right? It's just living in the same thing over and over again. Absolutely. So. And expecting a different the decision result. Decision is up to them. That's right. The, t- the choice is theirs. Ginny, I've enjoyed this tremendously. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, we hope to see you back soon. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Take care. We've been speaking with Ginny Hudgens of the Strategic Implementer about the value of strategic planning for financial advisors. If you have questions about how strategic planning can work for you or about anything you've heard on this program, drop us a line at foradvisors at pinnacleadvisory.com and we'll get you an answer. You've been listening to Four Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. I'm your host, Dave Polis, and until next time, thanks for listening. You're listening to Four Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. This program is for educational purposes only, and the opinions expressed here by guests do not necessarily fully or accurately reflect the legal intent or nature of Pinnacle Advisor Solutions, Pinnacle Advisory Group, or its senior management. This program is not intended to give legal, investment, or financial planning advice, and opinions and statements made in this podcast should not be relied on as such. 